This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, July 22, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. Billionaire investor T. Boone Pickens has spelled out a plan to reduce the share of energy the United States imports. It calls for a dramatic shift to wind and other forms of alternative energy. But there is more wrong with his plan than the premise, so says Cato Institute senior fellow Jerry Taylor. What Pickens is proposing is to increase wind energy production so that we can free up natural gas, which we use for electricity purposes as well as for other purposes, and to use that freed up natural gas uh, to run cars instead of refined gasoline. And that would help reduce our demand for oil as a general matter. Uh, of course, compressed natural gas has been around as, a, uh, as an automotive technology for a long time. Uh, but whether compressed natural gas is the best substitute for gasoline or whether a substitute for gasoline is even necessary remains to be seen. I mean, maybe the future means compressed natural gas vehicles. Maybe it means battery-powered vehicles. Maybe it means cellulosic ethanol-powered vehicles. Maybe it means plug-in hybrids. Maybe it means methanol. There are all sorts of different futures one could envision that would entail reducing gasoline consumption uh, uh, and replacement with something else. But given the fact that T. Boone Prickens probably does not have a time machine so that he can go into the future and find out what that optimal fuel is going to be, uh, this is an example of trying to pick one winner out of a potential field of 10 or more winners, and the likelihood of being correct is a matter of sheer chance. But isn't the main reason that the United States imports so much uh, foreign oil is because that oil is easier to uh, get online, it's cheaper to make useful? Well, absolutely. America imports crude oil because it's cheaper than getting crude oil from domestic sources or using other energy sources for moving our cars. If it weren't, if it were otherwise, we wouldn't import the crude oil at all. Uh, underneath all of this is the, is the assumption you constantly hear in American politics that foreign oil and our reliance on foreign oil is the reason for high oil prices. But that argument has it exactly wrong. Foreign oil is what keeps a lid on fuel prices. If it weren't for foreign oil, we'd be paying far, far higher prices by definition. The market wouldn't rely on foreign oil if there were a cheaper alternative. So a war on foreign oil or a uh, program to reduce oil imports below where the market would otherwise take them is by definition a program which will increase and not decrease energy prices. Whatever the market for wind energy is, it, we seem to be there. There's doesn't seem to be much of a barrier to entry to putting up a, a turbine. If you were to uh, check with the American Wind Energy Association, which is the trade group for the wind energy producers, they would be the very first ones to tell you that without favorable tax treatment, without subsidy, without consumption mandate, in other words, without government intervention in energy markets, the wind energy industry would disappear in a puff of wind. There would be little of it there. We only have wind energy because the government moves heaven and earth to make us consume it and to subsidize its consumption. What Mr. Pickens is talking about is redoubling uh, efforts in that regard, an extension of existing tax credits, additional credits for various other uh, activities, uh, a federal mandate for consumption, uh, using federal regulatory power to uh, uh, build, build transmission lines and to seize private property to ensure that we can get power from the windmills to the base load, uh, uh, base load demand areas, which are generally pretty far from where the wind is blowing. Uh, so what Pickens is talking about is a 
is, is essentially doubling down on a massive subsidy program, which very well might increase wind energy consumption. I mean, if you subsidize something enough or mandate enough consumption, you can create a Potemkin village market, but it's not going to do anything positive for ratepayers or for taxpayers. Wind energy is twice as expensive as conventional alternatives with or without the subsidy. Uh, actually, of course, it'd be higher without the subsidy, but even, even with the subsidy, it's still a very uneconomic source of energy. Uh, the future may be different. Uh, one could envision technological breakthroughs that allow us to uh, produce wind energy cheaper, but uh, one can also envision staying on the same road we've been for the last several decades. What troubled me initially about the plan is that he rearranges the, the structure of uh, where the U.S. gets its energy and what it uses that energy for, just simply rearranges it as if that's a process that somebody can just make happen. Well, what T. Boone Pickens is essentially proposing is a Soviet-style economic plan. The government's going to decide exactly how best to generate electricity. Uh, the winning technology in Mr. Pickens' plan is wind power, as opposed to, say, uh, any other source of electricity. So the government's decided how best to do this job, and they are going to ensure that market actors invest in wind and that consumers consume wind regardless of their preferences. And it's going to then also make the same decisions about the U.S. automotive fleet. The winning technology here, according to T. Boone Pickens, is compressed natural gas. So we're going to move heaven and earth to, to, to uh, translate that wish into reality as well. If governmental actors could know a priori how to most efficiently do anything, uh, whether it's generate electricity, consume energy, or you know operate farms or shipyards, then central planning would work great. The central insight that uh, liberal economists have long made, and I think has held up well historically, is that government has no comparative advantages over market actors when it comes to investment decisions. In fact, governmental actors are hobbled by political considerations, by a lack of information, uh, by uh, the passions of uh, political majorities, and the chances that political actors will be right about how to most efficiently do anything is just a matter of random chance. Uh, in the past, we've been told that with enough government subsidy and mandate and help, we can make nuclear power too cheap to meter. Well, that day still has yet to come. Nuclear power is still the most expensive conventional source of electricity on the grid. We were told if the government moved heaven and earth uh, most aggressively enough that synthetic fuels would be the future and that we wouldn't have to rely on foreign oil. We can get all the oil we needed out of coal and shale rock and things like that. And yet subsidy program after subsidy program, demonstration project after demonstration project, crash program program after crash program since World War II has come up empty on that regard as well. Uh, during the 1970s, the Carter administration promised us that by now a, a significantly large share of American energy would be coming from renewable energy. And yet if you take hydropower out of the mix, only about 2% of electricity in America is generated from renewable energy sources, despite all the subsidies and all the exhortations and all of the consumption programs and all the favoritism, it's still not capable of, uh, of significantly contributing to energy needs. The fundamental problem here is that government just simply has no uh, omniscient power, and it doesn't know better than people who are sweating day in and day out to try to make profits in energy markets. They, have no, they don't have the same sort of incentives market actors do, which is why they perform poorly. Jerry Taylor is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. You can download full event audio and video at cato.org.